The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Which coast? Traveling east to west. Aaron Ladd. Oh, he did it. Yo. <laughs> Mark Gunnels. At the house on it. Chiefs Coast to Coast. Is Coast to Coast back on spaces yet? Man, we've been doing this for like a month now. <laughs> I guess people were so tired of looking at you and seeing you. They're like, all right, let's. Let's get him back on. Let's get him back on audio only. <laughs> nah. Let me share this out real quick. What you, what you been on, man? We back. By week is done. By week uh, is by week is done, and, and we back here on Chiefs Coast Coast. How you feeling, Mark Donalds? Feeling good, man. You know, it's nice to relax for a week. Not have a show. Not to see this face across my screen. Talking about Aaron Ladd there, but you know. I missed you a little bit, just a tiny little wee wee bit. So it's cool to be back, man. I think we've had, we've definitely had breaks before. And I say this every time I'm like, not only does more things happen, do more things happen when we're away from the mic, but you know, I, I, I miss being able to get it out. You know, I'm having to tell my, my friends and family about all these hot Chiefs takes. And they're like, yo, go, get, get back on the mic, man. We're tired of hearing about it. Man, you don't give hot takes. You're a yellow light lag. Get out of here. You keep it very, very modest. You don't have any hot takes, man. Somebody has to go into the locker room, Mark. Somebody somebody has to be responsible for what you say on the microphone. (laughs) They're not listening, man. What uh? What'd you do for Halloween? You do anything? You do anything crazy? What, what was your costume? Um, so actually, no costume this year. Mm. But you know, took the son to a pumpkin patch. You know, he had a good time. You know, they had a little train there, had a bouncy thing. You know, some scary monsters running around. You know, things like that. So he had a good time. He was dressed up. He was actually Chase from Paw Patrol. Chases okay. on the case, so yeah, that's cool, man. It was it, it was good to get the Halloween weekend out the way. It was on a Monday, in Atlanta, so we, right? Yeah, went back home for a little bit, saw family, uh, bounced around up to North Carolina, saw some old friends from college, reconnected with them. That was awesome, yes, and just good to good to put the phone down for a little bit, man. Good to good to just live life, touch grass, as they say. <laughs> you know, what I mean, good to get away. Yeah. And I even tweeted this out. 
there was so much Chiefs news that was happening. We couldn't get away, man. I had, it seemed like every few days, oh, something new happened. Oh, something new happened over here. Oh, oh something new. Yeah. So I, I tried to detach, but I was I was halfway in, halfway out. I'm gonna be honest with you. I feel you. Hey, man, it's good to detach sometimes. Like you said, touch some grass, put your feet up, and relax. But you know, you're never fully off because you're Aaron Ladd, so you always got to be somewhat attentive at get all times. Get out of here, man. Let's get into it. Chiefs Coast to Coast Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Mark Gunnels in LA. Aaron Ladd here in Kansas City. It's episode thirty, man. I can you believe that we're already at the dirty thirty here? On Chiefs Coast to Coast, we like to name them after athletes who are that number. This is easy. This is this is Steph Curry episode right here. I was about to say that Steph Curry show. It, it, it's a it's a no brainer. Steph Curry show, Chiefs Coast to Coast. Of course, we're going to look all the way back to Chiefs versus Niners. If you can remember that game, Chiefs winning in really runaway fashion. We'll try and recap that one, and then look ahead to Chiefs Titans on Sunday Night Football from GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, and then we'll recap everything that happened over a busy bye week. I mean, we got trades, uh, uh, we got guys coming back off IR, plenty of stuff to discuss, including a suspension that might possibly impact Kansas City over these next two games. But we want to make you all part of the show, man. If, you, if you're listening to us in the comments now, Twitter, Facebook, we have people who chimed in with us in the past. Or if you're just listening back in the future in a couple of days on whatever your podcast platform is, we want to make you all part of the show. We got to Voicemail line for y'all, 816-514-1267. We want to make y'all part of the show here on Chiefs Coast to Coast. Mark, let's start with, with Chiefs Niners, man. And, and this can be fast because this game happened so long ago. I don't know if anybody really remembers. Do you have a major do you have a major takeaway from Chiefs Niners? I mean, how can you not take away the offense? I mean, head yeah. to that game. To me, the yeah. Niners were the number one defense in the league. They pretty much had everybody back healthy on that side of the ball. You know, everybody gets healthy for some reason when they play the Chiefs, ironically. And, you know, the offense was was humming. And the biggest takeaway is your boy, McCole Hardman. Baby Debo. They, they leaned into what he does best. And this is what I've been saying. Because we know he's not the best route runner in the world. Use him on those jet sweeps. Motion them in. Because even when you – here's how they set him up, though. If you notice, before they actually handed him the ball, they were having him in motion a lot before that, but not handing him the ball. So then you set the defense up, and then they weren't expecting it. And that's how you keep the pass rush off balance, right? Like the Nick Bolses of the world. Now he can't just run upfield and attack the quarterback because he has to worry about this speedy guy in motion going to his side, right? And he was he didn't know what to do. So I thought the game plan was excellent. Considering you have Bosa back, you know, keeping them off balance, they ran just enough to keep them honest. And you know, Patrick Mahomes after that pick, you know, he went into Patrick Mahomes mode, right? MVP mode. And it's crazy how I feel more comfortable when this team is behind early versus when they have a lead early. Got down and, ten nothing, and, and, yeah, and ten I, nothing early. And I promise, I was not concerned one bit. I was like, oh, they're about to score thirty plus now. Because now they know they have to, right? Like, there's no room for error at this point. Sometimes when they get an early lead, they tend to kind of let off the pedal a little bit, right? They kind of get conservative. We saw it last year plenty of times where they let teams get back in the game. But when they're behind early, it, there's no there's no wiggle room. They have to go all, all in, full throttle. So 
it's not a best way to live because you don't want to keep getting behind early and have to rely on that. But this team seems to play their best when they get behind. Crazy stat here from Adam Teicher does a great job covering the Chiefs for ESPN. He says Juju and MVS go over 100 yards in that win over the Niners, making it the first time in 22 years the Chiefs have two wide receivers eclipse the 100-yard mark. That's crazy there. And kind of if you're a coast-to-coast listener and you you listened to us preview this game on, on two weeks ago's podcast, I asked for two things for Kansas City in this one. I didn't know if they were going to win or lose. I hate predicting the games. But I said they needed to generate more turnovers, and the special teams play had to improve. Now, obviously, everybody's going to look at what happened in the punt return game and, you know, somebody who might possibly come in and and take another grown man's job, (laughs) potentially. But I thought specifically we're circling that the Dave Tobe special where everybody switches their feet real quick and you generate that, and that that, that cancels out uh, the field goal opportunity there. Special teams was moderately better. They didn't lose you a game, and that's what you ask for special teams most times. And, and, and then Kansas City generated three turnovers in this game. One of them came in garbage time, but two when it really mattered. Frank Clark gets the safety, obviously. And uh, and, and this game that started off down 10 nothing, as you mentioned, was never really close from there. And uh, I think if we see Kansas City do those two things from here on out, no matter who the opponent is, you could put a Buffalo in there, you could put a Miami in there. You could put a Philly if you're looking down the road, that kind of thing. If Kansas City's going to get something from their special teams and their defense can generate one to two turnovers a game, they're going to be extremely tough to beat because of that offense, like you mentioned, Mark. Yeah, absolutely, man. And how about Isaiah Pacheco? He had a nice return in that game as well, if I recall. So yeah. that was, I think, the start the second half, I believe got past midfield. So, yeah, I mean, they were definitely moderately better. We're going to get into it more, how maybe the punt return game is going to get better as well. But, yeah, I think it was just a really clean game. Shout out to Joshua Williams getting his first career interception in the end zone. You know, he went to HBCU, so I just got to show love to my fellow HBCU brothers. Man, that was a big-time play and a big-time moment, right, because that was right before halftime. The Niners could have really gained a lot of momentum there, and they kind of switched in that moment. So that was a big, big play from the rookie. You mentioned, you mentioned Pacheco and this was one of the hottest stories. And we even, we did a, we did a spaces for, for <laughs> y'all who have been begging for the spaces and trying to get us back in that spaces environment. We did a pregame spaces tap in with us at Aaron. Oh, I text you like at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, we did it at a normal time. We well, no, I know, but the, the, before that oh yeah absolutely i woke up to a text from mark this man was disgruntled he could he couldn't sleep he he woke up to that that rap sheet report said isaiah pacheco starting wait a minute but we called it from the jump on that spaces and i want to get now that we have a little bit more time to kind of uh unravel and, and we got to see what the workload ended up being from that game isaiah pacheco starting the game what do you what do you make of this this Chiefs running back backfield now that we've seen Pacheco get the get the starting workload, if you will? I mean, you were right. You were right in the spaces. Wait, wait, start to clip that. Start to clip that. There it is. There it is. You were right. Um, but I don't think I was that far away from what you thought. I just my biggest thing was why did this get out there? <laughs> like it was just such a weird announcement to make especially the tweet coming out at like three o'clock in the morning my time it just seemed odd that that was announced before the game or even announced at all just 
I'm just wondering who that came from. But besides that, I mean, I didn't expect him to get 15, 20 plus carries or anything like that or anything. But I will say, you know, you were right. I think it just comes down to at the end of the day, we know what it is. Nobody in this room has clearly separated themselves as the being the guy. You have three quality backs. I think even four. We'll get to that fourth one a little bit later. And, but I think you have three quality backs that you've been using thus far, and none have separated from the pack, right? And they all bring something different to the table. Pacheco is the hardest runner, without question. When he runs, it feels like the ground is shaking. I think Patrick oh, Mahomes or somebody alluded to that oh, a few weeks God. ago. Not when that. you're looking at CEH, he's kind of a mixture of a little bit of everything, I would say. Right. I still want to see him use more in the passing game. Now, we have seen that in goal line situations more, but I think you can use it even just more around the whole entire field. Right. Because put him in space and make him make a guy miss and see what he does. And then we got McKinnon. Right. He's the veteran in the room. He's the guy that can be used in the pass game as well. And he's a guy that you could use more in those outside runs. Right. Because he's probably the most, I would say, elusive running back they have. Yeah. Right. So you have a mixture of everything. I think it works really well. You have the offensive line that's built to run for any type of style of running back. So I don't think it's a big deal at all, but it was just a little weird how that got announced that morning. So and I said this to you on the space and I, and I want to make this quick because this wasn't on script, but it will get us to, to somewhere else on the script. I, I thought this was clearly something coming from Pacheco's camp. He gets the he gets the carries in practice. Everybody in the room knows, hey, you might get the first touch, but that doesn't necessarily you're going to get the most touches or you're going to be the guy. Uh, it just means that you're the first crack at it. And Andy Reid gave us a little more on Monday saying we were just trying to figure out a way to get him more than 10 touches. If he's a guy that's going to be in the mix and he's the third or the, or the second or the third guy to the to the meal, usually there's not enough left on, on the bone for 10 touches. So the Chiefs kind of artificially get him 10 touches this way. And his agent kind of runs with, hey, he's the starter, even though he's not necessarily uh, getting a full workload. I think all three of these guys will continue to see a big load, as I've said, from the starter training camp. And I think kind of transitioning now to Ronald Jones, who voiced his displeasure over the bye week, saying, you know, I sure would like a release right about now, which probably wasn't the best phrasing on that one. And saying the grass was a lot greener on the other side. To me, and I'll toss it to you after this, on, on Ronald Jones specifically, he's insurance. He's Geico. You might as well put Geico on the back of his jersey. In case anybody else gets hurt, Ronald Jones is there. But until then, he will sit on ice. He will practice. He will get a good look in scout team, should that be the, the, the chance. And he'll be sitting there waiting in the wings. But if nothing happens, he's going he's gonna to have to be disgruntled. And it sucks. It's tough. It's unfortunate. It's because there's so much competition in that room, but the Chiefs have made it absolutely clear, and I think that this was leaked to somewhere, uh, to someone uh, recently, that he's, he's going to be a Chief uh, this year. Yeah, and you said Geico. I'm going to say State Farm. State. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Company, like, man. So, yeah, like you said, man, he's insurance because what team in the NFL do you know in not just now, but ever has four running backs that all get touches. Not happening. It doesn't happen. Honestly, even three is kind of a stretch. Normally you see a two back system for the most part, right? Three is absolutely a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because there's only so many carries in the game, 
right? So many possessions. And you want to get guys in rhythm as well. So you don't want guys to be super cold. So, yeah, he's insurance if somebody were to go down. And, you know, we do have guys, McKinnon and CEH, they have an injury history, right? Absolutely. Pacheco, we, we don't know anything right now. He's a rookie. But those two guys, they have a history of getting hurt and getting banged up every now and then. So it's a long season. You have an extra game now. You have a playoff run ahead of you. So, you know, something could happen. So I understand from the Chiefs' perspective why you are holding on to him just in case that does occur. Obviously, you don't want it to happen, but it's football. Injuries happen, especially at the running back position. It's a very, very physical spot. You're getting hit every single play. So I get it now, and I get it from his spot too because – when he signed, I think he was under impression that he was going to be part of this rotation, right? And he's the guy that thinks oh, he can play still. That In his mind, now you don't go out and tweet what he did. <laughs> That's not good for the locker room or anything, or even for him, right? Because now you're just like, okay, even if you go to another team, you know, teams are going to be a little skeptical about you now because now they see the kind of the character and if you don't get the touches or you're just going to be a malcontent in the locker room, right? Like that's just not a good sign. To do that so it's tough for both sides i understand it i i would just from a human standpoint wish the chiefs would release him so he can get a chance to play somewhere else but i understand it from a pro- professional side keeping him as insurance just in case somebody were to get hurt how about another guy that uh probably won't be seeing the field for kansas city at least for the next two games as frank clark that's more that happened over the bye week the two game suspension stemming from his legal issues that dealt with the firearm uh in california i believe that this is kind of the the end of it he serves the suspension uh the legal part of it is done and we kind of move on i tweeted in reaction instantly that if you're going into the year and I'm telling me we already knew this was kind of a thing looming over uh, Frank Clark, uh, two games and it's against Tennessee and Jacksonville at home. Sign me up for that all day of the week and twice on Sunday. While I do think Kansas City will miss his uh, pass rush and uh, his effort because he absolutely brought it and it's coming off his strongest game of the year against San Francisco. I mean, those two plays back to back in San Fran and then one of them leading with the safety or ending with the safety, I mean, that's a Frank Clark we had been asking for for a very long time. I remember Pete Sweeney, uh, head honcho here, tweeting, you know, the closer. It's been so long since we've seen the closer version of Frank Clark. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. Kansas City is going to miss his impact. Carlos Dunlap talked about that today on the podium. Um, But it's a part of the schedule, Mark, that you would live with uh, every day of the week. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I even tweeted out, I mean, the timing, obviously, the timing isn't perfect from the standpoint of him starting to play good, right? Because he just had his best game of the season. So you want to see that momentum carried over. But from this side, I think it's actually a blessing in disguise because mm. now you had to buy and now you have these extra two games. That's three weeks of rest in the middle of the season for an older player. Now you're going to have him fresh for the back end and you get him back and arguably the most important game of the season at L.A., out here, down the street against the Chargers. He's coming back for that game off of three weeks of rest. So, yeah, obviously it sucks. You never want to be suspended. But, I mean, the timing, I think, couldn't have been any better for a two-game stretch. You're Like you said, you're at home against Tennessee. You're 12-and-a-half-point favorites. Then you play Jacksonville, probably going to be – two touchdown favorites the way Jacksonville is looking right now. 
So you should win both those games without Frank Clark. And then you get them back against the Chargers in L.A., which probably could essentially seal the AFC West. I mean, let's be honest. The Broncos and Raiders, they're done. They're done. <laughs> they have no chance of winning this division Clip at all. That. Clip that, sir. Oh, yeah, they're done. They're yeah. done. I have, I'm not even worried about that. And then the Chargers, they're already a game behind, but essentially they're two games behind because the Chiefs already beat them in that first game. Yeah. But the Chiefs beat them in L.A., the division's over. It's over. Assuming they win these next two games, which they should. So I think the timing, honestly, I think it's a blessing in disguise, man. He gets more rest, and now he can be fresh for the home stretch. Circle a guy that has to step up in the absence of Frank Clark. George Karloftis. Easy. I think now with the rookie playing the first, what, seven games of the season, uh, the adjustment period, now he had this buy, you know, watch more film, kind of brush up on more of his technique. I think the expectation for a first-round pick is for him now to have more of an impact in the second half of the season. And now without Frank Clark there, more opportunities, more reps, more snaps. So I think he's the clear answer there. Jordan Ross is rocking with us on Facebook as well. He says Karloftis and then says Frank Clark has showed us flashes of brilliance. He always does, but it's just flashes never consistent enough. Hasn't consistently met expectations during his tenure as a chief. Y'all know how I feel about that. I'll be going to arrowheadpride.com. Uh, let's transition to the trades. Um, talking about some bye week things and putting a bow on bye week activities. Our first pod in two weeks, episode 30, Chiefs Coast to Coast, Mark Gunnels, Aaron Ladd. And how about Kadarius Tony, man? This is a guy that Kansas City had been connected to for a while. Patrick Mahomes talked about it today. There were rumblings about this going all the way back to the offseason in Kansas City trying to retool their wide receiver room. They brought in Juju and MVS then, and now Brett Veach circles back right before the trade deadline and gets Kadarius Tony from the New York Giants. I think people salivate about the athletic ability, obviously. I think people think about the scheme fit and what Andy Reid is able to do, getting guys into space uh, and being able to plug him in. But I remember listening to you on a space. You were in so many sp- – I mean, I can't even keep up with you on space. You were in a Bengal space of all I, – I don't, I don't know why. You're just in random spaces, and you're like, hey, man, you got to check in on the ops sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a good point in there. You said this move is all about next year, and I agree. Why do you think this move is more about next year than this year? Well, I mean, if you look at the receiving room, there's only a couple guys under contract after this season. Sky Moore, obviously, is a rookie, and then NVS. Juju's a free agent, and McCole Hartman's a free agent. Now, I think you have to decide between one of those guys. I do believe they will try to prioritize prioritized signing Juju, considering he's a big body receiver, a possession guy. You can see the chemistry between him and Mahomes already developing, even more so than him and Hardman. It's it's already been three or four years. So I think Kadarius Toney, he can do everything Hardman can, right? As far as that gadget stuff, the speed, the athleticism. But I think he's a much better route runner at this point in his career if you just watch his film even at florida and then the few moments he had at the giants he creates separation he's a guy that has great footwork he's really really fast and he's super shifty right so to me he is the mccall hardman replacement but i think he's a better version of that i think you get more out of him so yeah i think it's for this year as well because based on what i've been hearing it sounds like they're going to probably use some a little bit more than people expect and you have to keep in mind, he came from the Giants where who was there? Matt Kaffer, Kaffer right? Yeah. 
in a similar scheme, similar system. So he's already know a lot of the terminology that goes with this offense. So normally when you get a guy like this, you're like, well, it's going to take him a month or two to learn the Andy Reid system. I don't think that's going to be the case here with Tony, considering he's already been with somebody that's been under Andy Reid. So expect him to be in the offense, I think, even this week on limited snaps. Considering the game may get out of hand, I think you can see him in the second half a lot more. But I think big picture-wise, you're going to see him really in the punt return game this week. That's what I expect. I saw videos of him catching punts with him and McCole Hardman. I think the Sky Moore experiment there is over. Thank you, finally. Oh, wow. <laughs> he never returned punts in college, so I don't understand why he was doing it in the NFL. Now you got two guys that have both have experience doing it. So there's no reason why Sky Moore should return in punts anymore. But I'm excited, man. He's a first-round pick last year for a reason. And if anybody can get the most out of him, it's going to be an Andy Reid and a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I couldn't have uh, said said it better myself. I think the move is more about next year. I also think Kansas City just loves to do this type of thing. You, know, you, you give away a compensatory third and a sixth next year, which really – what it boils down to is you're banking on Kadarius Tony being a better player in your system than who you would have selected with those picks. And I, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm almost willing to guarantee that um, they're right in making that trade. Um, the one thing and Kadarius Tony did have his introductory press conference. If you will, if you're listening on Wednesday, it happened today. He talked with the media about, Hey, I'm going to try and do everything I can to get up to speed. Um, but when you're learning NFL offenses and that kind of thing, I, I try to compare it more to like classwork and his theories, right? Like it takes time. You got to chip away. Don't matter. You can't, you, you can sit up all night with the playbook if you want to, but it's not going to absorb overnight. It's going to take time. Uh, it, it, and it's going to take him being around that system and, and the Kansas city chiefs also getting him, getting him plays that make it easier, right? Like dumbing it down a little bit while the, while the terminology may be similar from Mike Kafka's system and they share those kind of things, they're going to try and, and make it as easy as possible for him to catch up. And I think it's, uh, I think it's the more the merrier. Yes. There's only one ball to go around Mark, but I'm not, I'm not too worried. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm all for giving Mahomes as many weapons as possible. Cheat I'm, code. All, I'm all for it because I don't want Mahomes to be Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> the Packers still didn't get a receiver for this man. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. So I don't want to go down that path. I'm always for making Mahomes happy. He's he sent out the tweet uh, with the rock gift. He was excited. So Mahomes is excited. You should be excited, Aaron. Kansas City should be excited, and the NFL should be scared. How about a new? Uh, how about a new weapon in Atlanta? I needed to get that out. So new weapon? <laughs> you calling this a weapon? <laughs> Oh my god. You're desperate. You're desperate. Hey, that's first place Atlanta Falcons. What watch yourself, sir. Oh my gosh. Four and four. This is poverty talk. Fenton for a, a seventh rounder. Does that does that move you at all? It does. And the fact that it shows how much Brett Veach and the Spags believe in those rookie corners. I agree. Right? I mean. Who saw this coming, right? And we're not saying that Rashad Fitton is an all-pro or pro bowl or anything like that, but I think most people thought he was solid. You know, he was a nice – Serviceable. Veteran. He was serviceable. Definitely. He yeah. Yeah. 
mean, he, he he gets a little grabby every now and then, right? But I mean, I, you know, he was a guy that you could put out there and you you feel pretty good for the most part. But I think what they saw from the rookies, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and then obviously with McDuffie coming back, they feel comfortable in that room, man. They're like, hey, we could free up some cap space for this guy, get a seventh round pick and I mean, we have a seventh round pick starting now. So I can't even say a seventh round pick means nothing for Brett Veach because he turned it into a, a starter and he's been pretty good. I mean, the guy had a pick six in a Thursday night game. So I can't just say that's a complete throwaway for Brett for Brett Veach when it probably is for most teams. So yeah, I mean, I think it was a good move. And I think the bigger picture for me is besides him having trust in the rookie room at corner is the fact that they're going to make some move. There's Absolutely. no reason. Yeah, th they didn't create yeah. this extra cap space. They're nearly at $5 million right now, and they're not going to make some type of move, whether it's a waiver wire cut, like when they did a couple years ago and they got Terrell Suggs. Uh, you still got OBJ out there. I'm, I'm hearing that's still not ruled out just because they got Kadarius Tony. Sources. Because Tony, Tony is more, sort, more about next year and beyond. You get OBJ is just a rental for – six to eight games, right? Still got Adamic and Sue out there. I don't know if he wants to play football or not, but he's still a name out there that you can get in there to beef up the D-line, help out Chris Jones. So they're going to sign somebody. I feel very confident in saying that. Yeah, I think this is more so about savings than anything. Uh, and Andy Reid has said this once, and he says it often, but it sometimes flies under the radar. He says things move fast in the National Football League. And I think for Rashad Fenton, it was as quickly as, you know, those young corners playing when he was rehabbing. Those young, those young corners getting an opportunity to get their feet wet while, while, uh, while he was hurt. And not only do they gain the experience of playing in those games and getting the pick six, as you mentioned, and like those repetitions and that kind of thing, but the coaching staff also learns, okay, you know, Maybe when the bullets are flying, it's different than in practice, and we can kind of trust these guys. And uh, the one thing that would worry me is depth. Um, another thing that would worry me is, I mean, McDuffie, we love to say that we can just plug him in, but we got to see it, you know? Like, I, I'm confident in it, but saying and doing are two completely different things. And, you know, I'm yellow light lad, so I have to present some of the negative side here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's 
S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, let's talk McDuffie because I think uh, Andy Reid talked about him a little bit today and, and him being elevated back up to the roster. Hadn't seen him since week one. Uh, Andy Reid said, you know, some of that loose playing surface in week one not only contributed to Harrison Butker's injury, but McDuffie's injury. They hold him out after the week of practice. Despite him playing that week of practice in San Francisco, uh, he does not play in San Fran. He does not play the next week for Kansas City's bye. He's back at home in prime time in Sunday night football. And the Chiefs just traded Rashad Fenton. So it sounds like they're all in on McDuffie being back up as their as their number one corner. Yeah, and I believe that he could have played against the Niners. I just think they were being extra cautious knowing you had the bye coming up. Like, why not just give him that extra week off? So I understand that. And it ended up working out. They won the game, obviously. But yeah. I mean, this trade definitely screamed McDuffie's ready to go. He's been practicing for almost three weeks now. And I know what you said. Yeah, you have to see it, right? Because yeah. there is this notion, and, I, and I'm part of the notion. I believe he's a, he's a plug-and-play guy. And I know that sounds crazy to say for a rookie, but I, I just really believe with certain guys, you don't have to see that much, right? Once you saw the preseason, even a, the first half of that Cardinals game, he rarely gets targeted. He's a technician. I think he's um, I think he's more mature beyond his years. I don't look at him as just a normal rookie. And I, I think that's fair to say when you're looking at a first round pick, especially a guy that Brett Veach took in the first round, considering people in previous years said Brett Veach doesn't care about cornerbacks. He doesn't care about them. That was so you. That- uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was you who was saying that specifically. Oh, uh, I don't know. Let's go. Let's run the tape. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't recall, <laughs> but anyway, there's a narrative out there. I don't know who I don't know who's pushing. Yo, it's crazy. Yeah, that Brett Veach doesn't care about cornerbacks. So the fact that he took one in the first round tell says a lot to me. That means he thinks really, really high of this guy. So who am I to doubt Brett Veach, who didn't care about corners and took one in the first round? So if he loved one that much, this guy must be really good. So I believe in him. I believe in Trent McDuffie. And this is a good week to come back because the Titans wide receiver room is nothing to scream home about. Their best receiver this week is going to be Robert Woods, who hasn't really done anything this year. Because Malik Traylon Burks didn't show us much last week either. If, if yeah. it is, we're once again. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, th- this is a heavy running team, obviously. We saw Derek Henry run for over 200 yards last week on 30-plus carries. So this is the perfect week to come back to kind of get your confidence going, get your feet wet, because I don't see him being challenged that much against the Titans. Absolutely. I um, I just wonder how much safety debt McDuffie has left with uh, the Fenton move and kind of some of the rookie corners there on the back end. Well, we'll find out. Chiefs Titans in prime time. If you're here in Kansas City, you can watch that game locally on KSHB 41. Company man, Kansas City at five and two, looking to go to six and two. I think the only thing that stands in their way is stopping Derrick Henry, as you mentioned there. And Willie Gay kind of seemingly said the same thing. I want to start with how these two teams played off last year. And I think specifically that game will make an impact. We heard it from Kansas City today. Mark, wait for the sound to play before you give your take. But Patrick Mahomes wanted to make sure that his team came in with the right mindset. Hit it, Serta. Ready to play. I mean, 
last year we weren't ready and they, they beat our ass. So uh, we got to make sure that we are ready to go and that it's going to be a physical matchup um, and that uh, we're going to have to go out there and play our best football. And uh, this is a team that is a lot better than I think a lot of the uh, people out in social media and media talk, talk. They don't really talk about them, but uh, we know that it's a great football team coming in, coming to town with to play our best football. 216 yards, I believe, last week for King Henry, King Henry on 32 carries. Uh, and he had two touchdowns. What uh, <laughs> what you think, Mark? Can they do it? Can can they stop King Henry here on uh, in prime time? Yeah, stopping him, you're not going to completely stop him, but I think they can contain him. And I think uh, the bigger factor is we don't know, which is unfortunate for our show, who's going to be a quarterback. Because to me, that makes a big difference. Because if it's, if it's Malik Willis, Spags is going to put everybody in the box leave his corners on an island the whole entire game and blitz the hell out of him. And he's going to do whatever it takes to slow down King Henry. I don't know why the Titans, I mean, sorry, the Texans weren't able to do that, but King Henry has a history of going crazy against the Texans. It's all like a crazy stat. I think his last four games against them, he's rushed for over 200 yards in each game. Like he just owns, he just owns the Texans for some reason. So I, I don't know, but I think in this game, if it's Malik Willis, you're going to put seven, eight guys in the box, maybe even nine at times, and just put your corners on the island and say, beat us. And I don't think that's going to be a, a, a recipe for success for Tennessee. If Now, if it's Ryan Tannehill, you're going to put a little bit more respect on him in the passing game. Obviously, he's a veteran. He's not the best quarterback in the world. He's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. But a little bit more respect is going to be there, obviously, versus Malik Willis. So I don't think he's just ready yet. I like his talent. I like, I like his potential. He's just not ready yet. He's been thrown to the fire. It wasn't expected for him to start even one game. How can you say that after one game? Hey, come on. He threw for 55 yards, Aaron. (laughs) Come on. None of that was scheme? What? Like, just don't throw the ball at all? I mean, when your running back has over 202 tutties, I mean, I just think it's a little, uh, yeah, just a little early on Malik Willis. But I'm with you. I'm following your train of thinking. But look at the receiving room, too, though. It's a combination of both things. Like, his best receiver is Robert Woods. I think what stands out a little bit more, and Mahomes kind of said it, he says this team is better than their record shows. And they're 5-2 and two in the in the, in the second-best team in the AFC and you're saying, you know, really they're being buoyed by the run game, which a lot of people have felt for a very long time. You're looking at Derrick Henry throw a touchdown against Kansas City last year. We got some people chiming in in the comments now saying we always stop Henry held to less than 80 yards and a touchdown. But last year he had 102 from scrimmage and this passing touchdown that you're looking at now. I don't know if that's necessarily containing. I mean, it. it I guess. I guess it's better I mean, for, than giving up two sixteen. For his standards, for his standards, I would say it is. And this, I mean, and this was a low scoring game, twenty seven three overall. Uh, yeah. was the final from last year. So, and, and, and you know what's crazy about that game? That was a game where I even came into it with no confidence because that was when the Chiefs were playing the worst football. You know, there was this bad aura, this bad vibe around the Chiefs at that time, and that was the worst game they played in the Mahomes era in the regular season. Probably just period. Right. Like that was the worst game by far. 27 to three. I mean, so I think they're going to take this game very personal because they remember that game. And when you could tell by Mahomes what he said, they beat our ass like he's not happy about that game. He remembers that game. So I think this game will get out of hand. I really do. No uh, matter who the Wrote a little bit about this matchup, specifically about stopping Derrick Henry for Kansas City on Arrowhead Pride. 
Dunlap.com. You can check that out. Some quotes from Dunlap and Willie Gay. And I think a couple things. So obviously Kansas City's run defense, much improved. You can take the Tampa game and call that for what it is as an outlier, but still um, they're giving up 92 yards a game on the ground. Good for third. Tennessee is about 89, which is second in the league. Uh, so you take those numbers, obviously, all, all every day of the week. Um, I think I think it's going to be a four quarter battle. I come on here and say the same thing every time, but I think uh, I think the history also plays a factor. These two teams, out of the last six times they played, Tennessee's won five of them. Mark the so one win for Kansas City, a very important win in the AFC title game, the historic comeback in the run, uh, all those good, warm, fuzzy feelings that you get from that one. Um, but but Tennessee has been a team that has historically been a thorn in the side of the Reed Mahomes era Chiefs, uh, and Derrick Henry is a big reason why. I can't stand how caution, how that's just a fact. I'm just, I'm just giving the facts. No, 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 no. But that's about this game in particular. I don't care about the history. It doesn't matter about this Sunday. It has no bearings on what's going to happen this week. And you're telling me, so you feel the same way if Malik Willis starts? You think it's going to be a four quarter game if Malik Willis is starting? You still feel I, the same way. I don't know. This, this is a, a YouTube series. Shout out to QB School. If anybody watches QB School and that kind of thing, he diagnoses all the stuff, and he diagnosed Malik Willis's first uh, start. And a lot of stuff I was seeing was, was, was scheme-related, or I should say he was seeing that I was watching. Uh, not really setting him up in the best position to win, and, and people have kind of chimed in on the chat here talking about how the Chiefs are going to put Kadarius Tony in the best situation to get the ball. No matter what the terminology is, no matter what is, they're going to dumb it down to get the, the ball in their playmaker's hands. It, to me, watching Malik Willis, Tennessee didn't do that enough uh, in, in his last start, and I think there's going to be an emphasis this time. If Henry isn't going early, uh, uh, let, let's get Willis going. And, and we're recording on Wednesday, so we don't know. Right. Obviously, this is all speculation and we could come here on Saturday and say, oh, well, uh, it's Tannehill again and all the issues that come with him. I I, I don't think saying a one score game about a team that's number two in the in the AFC is a is a slight. It is because look who they've beaten. They played the Colts twice. They played the Texans. They played the Commanders, the Raiders, like the, the best team they played is obviously the Bills. And they got beat by 30, 30 plus points. This is not a good football team. Their record is they're not as good as the record says, just like the Jets. The Jets are not as good as the record says. The Giants, they're not as good as the record says. Do not let records fool you. Look at the context. Look at the quarterbacks they faced. Outside of Josh Allen, they faced Derek Carr, Matt Ryan twice, Carson Wentz, uh, Davis Mills. Like, come on. Like, let's use context here. We just saw the Chiefs blow out the Niners, who were the number one ranked defense. And you think this is going to be a competitive game considering they just got blown out, blown out by them last year. You could tell they're going to take it personal. We know Mahomes take down notes. This, this will one. not be a close football game. The Chiefs are going to blow them out the water. And it's off a bye. You know how good Andy Reid is off a bye? He's like the best coach ever off a bye. So when you consider all those factors, this will not be a close game. And Vegas agrees with me. They're 12 and a half point favorites, Aaron. 12 and a half? You think it's going to be a one score game? Get out of here. It's going to be a brawl. It's going to be a blowout. Let's go to Vegas because Mark is very loud. He's very boisterous, and I know exactly why. And it's. <sighs> Last week, Mark went 3 and 0 in his picks. Give me my flowers. 
<laughs> it was his first three and zero week of the season. No, and that's it, not true. Did I go three and one week one? Did I start off three and zero? I started off three and zero. We'll have to go back. Serta will check on that. Serta <laughs> will check on that while you give your picks. Mark was three and zero last week. He's ten and eight on the year, and I'll give you the picks for last week while he prepares for this. He's handing out winners, folks. There's the Jordan shrug. Mark is in his bag. He's coming out of the bye week 3-0, and he picked Chiefs 2.5. They won by 21 points in the Bay. He went over on Juju's receiving yards, which were set at 49.5. Juju smashed that, got 124 receiving yards. Not even close. Uh, Clear wide receiver one for Kansas City at this point. And then under on the Jeff Wilson rushing yards, you called it. I think the game script went away from San Francisco, and Jeff Jeff Wilson finished with 54 the line was 60 and a half. So three and oh, 10 and eight on the year. Let's keep, let's keep it going, man. And I don't, don't smell yourself too much just yet. What you got for us? So I actually, I have four plays this week. Wow. Okay. So yeah. now you, now you going. Cause uh, you just fire me up. So I just add another play <laughs> in my heat. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to start, I'm going to start with the, uh, the spread. I have two okay. spread bets in this game. I'm taking chiefs first half minus seven. Look, I don't care who starts at quarterback. Like I said, the Chiefs are going to take this game very personal from the beginning. I like them to be up by at least a touchdown at halftime. And I'm taking them to cover the full game spread at 12 and a half. I, I just think it's going to be ugly. I, I really do. I don't, I don't see any pathway for the Titans. Let the Chiefs turn the ball over three or four times. They're missing kicks and they're muffing punts. I don't see a pathway for the Titans to keep this game within double digits. Well, we I, I really, they muff punts. I mean, we, we I, know they do that. Well, hopefully Scott Moore is not back there this week. Um, so I got the Chiefs minus seven first half, Chiefs full game minus 12 and a half. And I have two player props, all Chiefs side this week. For some reason, Vegas does not believe in Juju yet. Can you believe his receiving yards are still at 49 and a half? Stealing money. It's still at 49 and a half. What are you doing, Vegas? Have you not seen the chemistry? He's got over 100 yards the past two games. <laughs> 49 and a half. I'm going to take it every time. Are you kidding me? So I'm taking Juju again over 49 and a half. And I'm taking Mahomes over on passing yards at 288 and a half. Look, the Titans have gave up 300-yard passers in three games this year. And that's bad considering the quarterbacks they faced. Actually, four games. They gave up once to Matt Ryan over 300 yards. Watch your mouth. They gave up once to Josh, to Josh Allen, obviously. And they gave up to Carson Wentz. He threw over 300 yards as well against them. So th- this defense can be had in the passing game. And like I mentioned, I keep saying it again. Mahomes is going to take it personal. He's going to air it out. He has more weapons now. So those are my four plays, man. Chiefs minus seven first half. Chiefs minus 12 and a half full game. Juju over on receiving yards at 49 and a half and Mahomes over on passing yards at 288 and a half. Hey, he's hot. I can't even, can't even debate the picks. Mark is in on week nine. He's picking the chiefs to run away with this one in prime time. Got a couple comments here. And if you want to be part of the show, we'd love to have you 816-514-514. One, two, six, seven, leave a voicemail. Tell us your favorite part of the show. If you bet the house and lost all your money on Mark's picks, whatever, how you feel about the Chiefs offense, who your favorite running back is, we'll squeeze you in. I got a question here 
from YouTube it is what's your thoughts on Fenton leaving? Do we care? What do we think about this? I think we addressed this a little bit earlier in the show, but you know, he was uh kind of the odd man out, it seemed like. And Kansas City had seen some trust in their young rookies, and and now that uh McDuffie's back, it seems like they're gonna roll with the youth movement on defense. Yeah, I mean, I already pretty much spoke on it, but yeah, I feel the same way. They obviously saw enough to believe that they can get by with the rookies and theoretically they should only get better as the season goes on, right? More reps, you know, they should get better. And then obviously the free cap space, you freed up some cap space. And like I mentioned earlier, expecting to make a move. I think that's it for me, man. Yeah. You know, I'm feeling, feeling good. We back, we, we, we back on video. We week to week. It's from here till February. It's going every week. Oh, you caught, you said February. So we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's a, that's a prediction right there. <laughs> you want to get me on the record so bad. Like you just said it. You said February. Well, I'm you know, the draft is here in April, so I'll be doing coverage no matter what. You know, if Kansas City February, stop it. <laughs> I like them to be in the mix. I like them to be in the mix. You know, okay. I gotta get out to I gotta get out to LA for that Chargers game. You mentioned that uh, that I gotta circle that one. You got only two weeks, <laughs> two three weeks. Oh, it's two weeks. Oh, never mind. I'll be <laughs> hey. after. Yeah, they play them after the Jacksonville game. Uh, have fun. Salute. <laughs> In- inflation and it's holiday time too. You know the check. The and check is already like, spoken for. Yeah. One day before Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, it's cooked. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. yeah cool. Ah, you got me all hyped for no reason. <laughs> well, fly me out on the Mark Gunnell's uh, private jet, and I'm there. Uh, I'll see what I can cook up here. Oh, wow. We out of here, man. You are. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs>